Good morning. I want to thank uh, President Proctor and Isaac Shade for the invitation to speak to you uh, today and for, um, you know, all those who had a, a, a part in bringing uh, this service together, not the least of which being members of my own family. I give you greetings from your brothers and sisters in Christ at Chapel Rock Christian Church in Indianapolis. My name is Casey Scott, Mark and Carla's oldest, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor there on the west side of Indy. Um, so thank you all. Thank you for those who are here in the room. Thank you for those of you who are, are, are watching online. Williamson. Um, <laughs> Now listen, that was my dorm when I was here from 94 to 99. I love you guys, but I understand you. Um, so glad you're online too. And for any watching later, like on YouTube or something, it's not very often that you get to live out something that you have dreamed about for 20 years. I graduated from this school in 1999, BTH. And I don't, I, I, I'm not gonna ask, but if, for those of you who are preaching majors, I guarantee you, every one of them in this room right now, every one of them watching online, dreams about being invited back to preach in chapel. It is an honor. We talk about honor today, and I, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm, I'm thrilled to be with you. But I'm also conflicted. I'm a little conflicted. My assignment today is to preach on the fifth commandment from Deuteronomy 5.16, honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. I'm eager to preach. This is a dream come true, but it also means that I'm conflicted. Because the best way to preach a sermon is to live as if it's true. Those of you who preach and teach in the church better get that figured out before you leave this school. You want people to believe your teaching? Live like it's true. And so if I'm gonna preach this effectively, I need to do this effectively. I need to honor my father and mother, even in the act of preaching on honoring your father and mother. And that creates a conflict. Because on one hand, my father, Mark Scott, is my favorite preacher. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my mom has the same opinion. I would rather hear him preach than me. 25 minutes from now, you might have that opinion. And so one way to honor my father and mother would be to shut up, sit down, let him preach this sermon. On the other hand, my father, along with others, but primarily him at this school and in my master's work at Lincoln Christian Seminary, was my main professor. I had my dad for more classes than any other professor, both in, <laughs> at Ozark and at Lincoln. My dad taught me to preach. My mother has always encouraged me as a preacher. And so one way to bring honor to them both would be to stay up here and actually do a good job. So we'll go with that one. And if it goes completely off the rails, at least we have a backup plan, right? I, I know that you've been in a series through the book of Deuteronomy. I enjoyed listening to the first three sermons from Matt and Jason and Bob on the way down here from Indianapolis. I, so I, I got a chance to hear what was come, what has already come in this series, and, 
And so I don't need to tell you uh, and talk about how the first four commands concern a right relationship with God and how the last five commands concern a right relationship with each other. You know that. And I don't need to tell you that as long as you count Deuteronomy 5, 6, and 7 both as the first commandment, then each of the first four uses the significant phrase, the Lord your God relating to our relationship with God. And I don't need to go into the significance of how, you know, these commandments were first given on Mount Sinai in Exodus 20 and then later again repeated on Mount Nebo in Deuteronomy 5. I don't need to talk about all that. So that will save some time. But I probably should tell you that this commandment is unique in that it seems to govern the relationship between family members, but it also uses that significant phrase, the Lord your God. And therefore it seems to serve as a bit of a bridge between the commands that govern our relationship with God and the commands that govern our relationships with people. And I should probably tell you that the word translated honor in this passage is the Hebrew word kabod, which generally means weight or heaviness. It often gets translated glory. It's kind of a worship word. However, in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, in both Exodus 20, verse 12, and Deuteronomy 5, 16, it, the Greek word there is tima'o, which again normally gets translated honor, but it means to show respect by rendering obedience and or assistance and or deference. If you wanna know what honor looks like, it's a combination of all three of those things. Sometimes it might be two, sometimes it might be just one, but obedience, assistance, helping them, and deference, deferring to them and letting them have their way. And I think that indicates that the Hebrews, at least a couple hundred years before Jesus' time, saw a bit of a range of meaning in this word kabod that's used here in the passage. You know, it's it's more than just weight or glory. Honor really is the right translation there. It's it's assistance and deference and obedience. It's kind of all wrapped up in one. I should certainly tell you that. And I should definitely tell you that this command is repeated more than any of the other nine all throughout scripture. It's this one is the most frequently quoted in the whole Bible. We need to talk about this. This is a big deal, and it has been for a long time. You see, a long time ago, there was a man who complained, youth today have luxury. They have bad manners, contempt for authority, no respect for older people, and talk nonsense when they should work. Young people do not stand up any longer when adults enter the room. They contradict their parents, talk too much in company, and tyrannize their elders. You know who said that? Socrates, a thousand years roughly after Moses gave this command. This is not new. This is something we've wrestled with for a long time. You see, this command is affirmed or referenced many, many times in the Bible. Its first appearance in Exodus 20, verse 12, its repetition here. Leviticus affirms it in chapter 19, verse 3, and along with Deuteronomy 21, 18 to 21, adds that not obeying this commandment invites a curse into your life and puts you at risk for death by stoning. 
Proverbs repeatedly says that honoring your father and mother is the path of wisdom. Not doing it brings shame on your parents. Now that might not mean much to you here in 21st century America, but you need to know that the entire Old Testament world, uh, the whole social construct was built on who has honor and who does not, who has shame. This is a big deal. But we're conflicted. You see, this command is not viewed by the Israelites or by Jesus as an end in and of itself. There are some mitigating factors surrounding this commandment. For example, those who take the Nazarite vow in Numbers 6, 6 through 8, are commanded not, hear me, not to attend the funeral of their dead parent, which in any other circumstance would bring utter shame on a family in that culture. But they're commanded not to attend the funeral of their own parent who dies because it would put them in too close a proximity to a dead body. And that's against the vow. They're exempt In defining the nature of discipleship, Jesus says that loyalty to him outweighs loyalty to family in Matthew 10, 34 through 38, in which he references Micah 7, 4 through 7, where the prophet draws a clear line of distinction between honoring family and honoring God. In the kingdom of God, family ties are subordinate to the bonds of discipleship. But there's still some conflict there because in rebuking the hypocrisy of the Pharisees in Matthew 15, 1 through 9, and in probing the heart of the rich young ruler in Matthew 19, 16 through 21, Jesus repeatedly affirms the importance of the fifth commandment. And when Paul is defining the way that a Christian household should work in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 3, he flat out says that this commandment to honor your father and mother is binding on all Christians everywhere for all time, and and the promise made to them applies to us maybe in a more general sense, but he affirms even the promise made in the commandment that it will go well with you and you'll enjoy a long life. Honoring our parents... And can we add, or those who served as parents to us? I know that some of you heard our family story and you're like, man, I don't even have a box for that. That is so not my family. But you're here today because someone served as a father to you, as a mother to you, maybe not your biological mom or dad. Maybe it was a CIYD group leader. Maybe it was a youth pastor. Maybe it was an elder in your church. And someone came alongside you and they put their arm around you and they treated you as if you were their child. Former student here, won't name him. Young man in my first ministry came to school here. Dad, totally not in the picture. Debbie and I call him our practice kid. Because I got to practice being a dad to this kid in the youth group who didn't have one. Now, we have seven children, all right? I believe in church growth. And um, Jesus said, make disciples. So I'm just, um, two of them are, thank you, amen, yeah. Uh, two of them are students here. Some of you maybe know Emma or Eli, Scott, 
We have uh, five more at home. All, na- all the names start with E, Eden, and Aaron, and Evan, and Ezra, and Ephraim. We didn't plan that, it just worked out that way. Um, we don't know if they'll all go to Ozark or not, that'd be great. Uh, if, if they do, Ephraim, our youngest, will be class of 2040, if he does a four-year degree. <laughs> so we're gonna beat the Weeses. that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna beat the Weeses. Um Honoring our parents, or those who served as parents to us, is one of the main ways that we get to experience the abundant life that God has for us. See, God promises his people a long life in a land that is, catch this, objectively good. The Hebrew word, that when he says that it may go well with you, it's the Hebrew word tob, which it's objective goodness. <laughs> he prom- and I've been to that land. It's a land that's objectively good. To live long in a place that's objectively good, that's the promise. And honoring your parents is a means of enjoying life more and enjoying more life. And who doesn't want that? Now listen, I am so not a health and wealth preacher. It kind of makes me throw up in my mouth a little bit because of the way Jesus talks about life. (laughs) But you can't ignore the promise made here. If you do this, good happens. If nothing else, that's a compelling reason to obey the command, but it's not the only one, and I would argue it's not the most important one. The most important reason to obey this commandment is the Imago Dei issue that you have heard about in this series, that we are made in the image of God, is the Latin phrase. Honoring your parents because they're your parents is good and right, and you should do that but honoring them because they, like you, are made in the image of God is what transforms honoring your parents into honoring God. That's where this functions as a bridge. See, for those of you whose parents are not honorable, this is the mental shift you need to make. This is the the, the little tweak in your theology. For those of you who, who, who desperately wanted school to start back up and were praying that you weren't gonna have to go back into online only because you wanna come here and, and like my dad said earlier, get a little bit away from your family because home is not a happy place. Honoring your parents because they're your parents might not mean much to you, but honoring them because they're made in the image of God and because Jesus shed his blood for them might make all the difference in the way you think about this. In fact, it is precisely because your parents don't deserve this that honoring them ultimately honors God. And let's be honest, only God is worthy of honor. Only God deserves it. In fact, if I could push the application for this just a little bit outside the familial context, learning to honor others simply based on the Imago Dei in them, might also be a cure for racism and classism and nationalism. If you want to enjoy life more and more life, honor your parents. Now, if you were to walk up to anybody on the street and say to them, finish this sentence, live long, what are they gonna say, Ozark? And prosper, thank you. And they'll probably do this. 
right? The Vulcan greeting from Star Trek, right? How many of you are familiar with Spock? You know who I'm talking about? Okay, so some of you have, would have seen Leonard Nimoy playing Spock in the original series and some of the movies. Uh, maybe you're a little more familiar with the, the later edition of it with Chris Pine as uh, Kirk and Zachary Quinto as Spock. Great movies, and I, and I love them, but I saw an interview with Leonard Nimoy where in 2013, where he tells the story of where that came from. He said he first saw this gesture in an Orthodox Jewish synagogue in Boston when he was a small child. He said the, the, the rabbis were having a special service and they were in, inviting the Shekinah glory of God to come upon the congregation. And they were pronouncing a blessing on the people. And, and it was this kind of secret thing. And his dad leans down and he says, don't look, close your eyes. <laughs> but he peeked. And he saw the priest, and he told the interview, he said, this is the, the representation of the Hebrew letter sheen. It's the first letter in the word shalom. It's the first letter in the word shaddai, a name for God. It's the first letter in the word shekinah, the representation of the presence of God's glory. And he said the, the, the priests, the rabbis, were making their hands like this and blessing the congregation. And he goes, it just stuck so fast forward years later and he gets to play Spock on the original Star Trek and they're going to the planet Vulcan. They've never been there before. They've never met other people from the planet Vulcan. And so he says to the director, he said, I feel like in their culture they should have something that they say, like a greeting that they give one another. You know, it's a different planet. We've, we've never done that before. And he said, well, what are you thinking? He goes, well, I have an idea. All right, go for it. So he talks to the other actor in the scene and, and they get up there and, and he makes this gesture Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. They repeat it back. Leonard Nimoy said, I had no idea what that would do culturally. He said, for years now, people come up to me on the street and do this. He laughed. He said, I don't think people realize they're blessing each other with this. Oh, I don't know. Sounds like a blessing to me. I mean, aren't you basically wishing people to receive the promise of this commandment? Here's what I want you to take back to your dorm room today. Here's the big idea. When honor defines your most essential relationships, you get to enjoy more life and life more. So here's the question. What family traits do we need to possess in order to honor our father and mother or maybe even those who served as a father or mother to us? Maybe the elders in the churches you will serve to honor others in a way that ultimately allows us to live a long and good life. I think there are two. Let's call them family traits. There are two family traits you need to obey this command. Here's the first one. It takes grit. It takes grit. Now, what do I mean by grit? Well, unless you're fond of woodworking and talking about the virtues of various brands of sandpaper, that's probably not a word you use very much. Okay, I'm using it in the psychological sense. In psychology, grit is a positive, non-cognitive trait based on an individual's perseverance of effort combined with a passion for a particular long-term goal. Angela Duckworth, Angela Lee Duckworth gave a great TED talk about this. It's about seven minutes. You should watch it when you get back to your room today. Just type in YouTube, just TED Talk and grit, and you'll, you'll go right there. But here's basically what it means, is that grit is perseverance plus passion. So what's that have to do with the fifth commandment? Well, I want you to think about the timing of this. 
I mean, within just a few months, Israel is going to go in, when they originally was heard this commandment in Exodus, they're going to go into a 40-year-long wandering in the wilderness. They're going to go camping with their family for 40 years. I think they needed this commandment. How many, any of you all ever been on a long family camping trip? Right? Honor your father and mother, right? This 40 years of being stuck with their family in the desert, and that would have been intense. You'll get that joke later. Um, <laughs> or now, uh, that's cool. Um, they desperately needed to hear this. And then again, later, 40 years later, they're, they're camped out on the base of Mount Nebo, ready to go into the promised land and conquer it. <laughs> Husbands are gonna leave their wives and children and go on a military campaign. And these guys that were Bedouins now have to become soldiers. Honor your father and mother. They needed to hear this. Listen, honoring your parents takes grit. And yes, sometimes you literally have to grit your teeth. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Obedience is not the sum total of honoring, but it's part of it. There's also deference, letting your folks have their way, even when you would rather do it differently. And assistance, helping them. And you've got to decide, Ozark, to be passionate and persistent in this. It is hard, it is complicated, obeying your parents is tough. I am 44 years old, and I still am trying to figure this out. And that was reinforced to me less than 48 hours ago. I was gonna tell a different story right here, but I'm gonna tell you this one. I drove down from Indy late Sunday night, got in 11.45, right? Um, and, and just my mom was still up and we were chatting for a while. And, and I, we were talking about the time four years ago in 2016 when we got to go to Israel. Now, if you ever get to go to Israel with Dr. Mark Scott, I highly recommend it. Um, I'm not bragging, I just happened to be born in the right family. It was an accident on my part, all right? So I'm not boasting here, but we got to go. And one of the places that we got to visit was the Lithostratos under the Antonia Fortress, the corner of the Temple Mount. Right? This is the place where Jesus was scourged. His blood smattered across that floor. And it was pretty moving. We were already pretty raw when we got in there. Um, Mike, our tour guide, tends to look for the person who's most emotionally distraught and then ask them to do stuff. <laughs> And he picked my mom. Now, some of you may know that Miss Carla is uh, quite musical, plays piano, sings beautifully. Allie uh, inherited that, that ability to sing. I'm grateful for her voice today. Um, and so what Mike didn't know is that my mom's dad's favorite song, he's with the Lord now, was the old rugged cross. So we're in the place where Jesus' blood smattered across the floor. And Mike asked my mom, Miss Carla, would you lead us in singing The Old Rugged Cross? And I was just like, Mike, she can't do that. That's not gonna work. She's gonna fall apart and I don't wanna see my mother turn into a pile of goo underneath the Antonia Fortress. You know, I thought I had spoken out of turn. 
Here I am four years later, I find out not 48 hours ago, my mom said, no, you defended me, thank you. What? I thought I had, I, I didn't even, I mean, it was like in that moment, I'm going, wait, I probably spoke out of turn. I spoke for my mother and letting her speak for herself. That's not really deference. But she said, oh no, no, I'm grateful for what you said. I don't get grown-ups. This is hard. It takes grit, but that's not all. It also takes grace. Now, when I use the word grace, I'm not speaking only of the theological concept of unmerited favor, though I'm certainly including that. When I use the word, I'm giving it its entire range of meaning, as fully-fledged a definition as you can muster. Yes, when I say grace, I mean the unmerited favor of God. Those who honor their parents well are often familiar with the ways of grace. But I also mean to include all the additional meanings of the word. (laughs) The manifold giftedness of the spirit. The poise and nimble agility of a dancer or an athlete. And the apparent ease and facility with which a master practices his or her craft. Honoring your parents takes grace in its broadest definition. In other words, grace is giftedness plus agility plus craft. Honoring your father and mother takes grace. It means showing them grace when they ask you to do stuff that that seems pointless and maybe even counterproductive to your own goals. For no other reason other than that you have received grace from God. It means using the gifts you've been given, as I'm attempting to do right now, to show respect to your parents. Sometimes it means handling a social situation that involves your parents with relational agility and tact. Sometimes it means learning to practice your craft well enough that you're financially successful enough that you can provide for your parents when they're older. So you're like, Casey, we're going into ministry. We won't have any money. God, God will provide for your needs. If you obey this commandment, he says so. In fact, in 2016, the singer Lionel Richie was inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. In that ceremony, he was asked to tell the story of his mega hit song, Three Times a Lady. He said, the inspiration came from my father. He's a real warm and huggy guy, and one day at a family meal, he just kind of stood up and and decided to give a toast to my mom. And he said, she's a great wife, she's a great mother, she's a great friend. You young men should take notes. And he said, it just kind of stuck with me. You once. And and I wrote this song, Three Times a Lady. Great little toast. First Commodore's smash hit led him on a great career and he got to go on Johnny Carson to explain how that song came to be. He told Johnny part of the story is you can never really repay your parents for all they've done for you. He said, my dad called me after that and he said, son, I saw your interview with Johnny Carson. I was very touched by the fact that you said you could never repay your parents for what they've done for you. But let me ask you, would you try Would you try to repay your parents for all we've done for you? Lionel Richie said, so when the royalty check came out, he was looking for his check. I spent the rest of my musical career trying to pay off my dad for three times a lady. 
OCC, is it possible that part of Richie's success is because he kept this command? Hmm. See, I love that story because it's one way that one guy chose to honor his father and mother. Might not be your way, but it's an example of a way. And I want to be clear, this is not transactional. You don't do this because you get something out of it. You do it because it's right. More importantly, you do it because that's how Jesus lived. He honored his father just hours before Jesus was betrayed. In John 12, he prayed this prayer. Look at this. In John 12, 27, he said, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Do you hear the conflict there? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Look, 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 Ozark. Father, glorify your name. Jesus prayed that his father would be honored. And because he honored his father in death and resurrection, he got more life. He got eternal life and he gives it freely to all who follow him. Could it be that the reason that Jesus was known as a friend of sinners was because his life was defined in part by honor? He honored his father. He honored the Imago Dei in others. And he honored you when he died on the cross in your place for your sins so that you could have life and have it more abundantly. Did you hear me, Ozark? When honor defines the most essential relationships in your life, you get to enjoy more life and you get to enjoy life more. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you for this school. You know that I pray for them every day at 11-11. And now my own kids are here, Lord. This place has meant so much to my family. Class of 1950, class of 1976, class of 1999, and who knows beyond. I don't know the story of everybody in this room, Jesus, but you do. I just pray, Lord, that they'd honor you, they'd honor the Father in, what, in their studies, in the way that they, they, they handle themselves in service in the church and parachurch ministries. I pray that they'd honor one another in the dorms. I pray that honor would define the people of this campus. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, son. And as a way to respond to the message and this fifth commandment, we're going to have a little exercise here before we sing a final song. Can I ask you to stand on your feet just now? And would you just remain standing for the prayer? It's right when you hear something like this to make commitments and vows and promises. In this world, it's pretty hard to keep, but God being our helper and the Holy Spirit being our guide, we can commit to the right things and, and uh, do our very best. So, Ms. Carlin, I'm going to ask you six questions alternating. And we would like you to respond for yourself by saying, I will, but we'll respond as a group. But don't say we will. Respond for yourself in unison with others. I will. Here's the first question. Will you honor your parent or parents in order to live abundantly? I will. Will you show honor to your parents even if they are not honorable because they are made in the image of God? 
Will you commit to displaying both perseverance and passion as the modus operandi for showing honor? And will you commit to displaying grace to your parents in the same way you've received grace from the Lord Jesus? Will you commit to using every gift you have with tact and relational expertise to honor those in relationship with you? And finally, will you honor your most essential relationships with the understanding that ultimately it is a reflection of your relationship with God? Remain standing.